Howdy and welcome to the 10 Week Bible Study. This is week seven, day two of our study of Isaiah. I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and today we're talking about Isaiah chapter 24. Well, welcome back to the 10 Week Bible Study. Again, I'm your host, Darren Hibbs. Would you join me as we pray before we start? Lord, would you open our eyes and our ears to hear what your word has to say to us, speak to us, and touch our hearts with the knowledge of you today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. With that, let's jump into God's word. We'll be reading today from the NIV. This is Isaiah 24, starting in verse 1. See, the Lord is going to lay waste the earth and devastate it. He will ruin its face and scatter its inhabitants. It will be the same for priest as for people, for the master as for his servant, for the mistress as for her servant, for seller as for buyer, for borrower as for lender, for debtor as for creditor. Verse 3, the earth will be completely laid waste and totally plundered. The Lord has spoken this word. Okay, so yesterday we didn't really start asking this question, but the the passage kind of was pretty clear as the prophecy was against Tyre. And by the end, the some of the prophecies were not entirely sure if they were fulfilled in the past. The destruction of Tyre, the overtaking of Tyre was, but some of the final words were they fulfilled in the past, they're going to be fulfilled in the future, maybe a little both, not totally sure. This one right here, this is pretty clear. The Lord is speaking to the entire earth. (laughs) This has got end times written all over it because there's no point in human history where all of the earth, even let's say during World War II, all of the earth was not at war during World War II. No, it felt like it. And most of the nations of the earth were engaged in that war, but the entire earth was not completely plundered like Isaiah is talking about here. This has never happened. And essentially what the great tribulation is that, you know, books like Daniel, Matthew, Luke, uh, Revelation talk about what these books, this, this, this tribulation that's talking about is not that the tribulation is worse in its intensity or scale than have ever existed, because that's not true, right? The Antichrist comes and and he's going to kill believers and there's going to be the judgment of the Lord poured out on the unbelievers during this time period and those that are warring against him. There's going to be all of these things going on. But what makes it the great tribulation is not that it's worse, because if the Antichrist kills a believer, that's no different than the people today who are being persecuted and martyred for the name of Jesus. You can only be killed once, right? I mean, I guess unless you're Lazarus or something like that, but essentially they can only take your life once. They can only torture you for so long before you die. That That's as bad as it gets. And that's been going on. There's been tribulation from, from you know time immortal past until now. What's different about the great tribulation is that it's worldwide in nature. It's covering the earth. And there's never been a time where persecution and tribulation has been universal and worldwide all at the same time. And so that's what's different about the great tribulation. That's what's different about the end times. And that's what Isaiah is talking about here is there's coming a day where it's the Lord is going to go to war against the people of the earth because they are at war with him. As is essentially what's going on. And that's the story of the end times. It's that the Lord is going to go to war against the people who have been killing and going to war against his people. The Lord is going to stand up for vengeance 
for his people who have been martyred and persecuted and abused. Verse 4, the earth dries up and withers. The world languishes and withers. The heavens languish with the earth. The earth is defiled by its people. They have disobeyed the laws, violated the statutes, and broken the everlasting covenant. So the when we're talking about the heavens here, we're not talking about like where God lives. The ancient idea of the heavens was was threefold in in most cases, and it's there's the first heaven, the second heaven, and the third heaven. The first heaven is where the birds fly, clouds are. The second heaven is what's ever beyond that, right? If you know when you're stuck with your feet on the ground and the farthest you can get is jumping as high as you can before flight, before, you know, going to the moon and all that kind of stuff. You've got where the birds are and whatever's past that. Those are the heavens where the stars and the sun are. That's the head. That's the second heavens. And then the third heaven would be kind of like wherever God is, however that works. I don't know. So that's kind of the, the idea of the three heavens. So when they're talking about the heavens, they're talking about more than like the first and second heavens, right? The Where the birds are up here in the sky, where the clouds are, and then where the stars and the sun and moon and all that kind of stuff are further out there. But all of those things that we can see in the sky, not necessarily, we're not necessarily talking about spiritual things. We're talking about physical realities that are not on planet Earth. And we know from all of our passages in Revelation and other places about the end times, Jesus talks about the sun and the moon will be darkened and all of this this stuff is going to happen. We know in Revelation, all of the green grass is going to be burned up. This sounds very end times. All of this sounds very end times. And the interesting thing is the Lord is saying, I'm going to do this because everyone has broken the everlasting covenant. And there's so many people out there that would say, well, the Lord, you know, doesn't judge nowadays and he doesn't do these kind of things. And, and, uh, or, or you know, we can't, uh, you know, I'm an American and so we, we can't apply the covenants of Israel to America. And I believe that I, I believe that the covenants to Israel are to Israel herself, but that doesn't mean that America lives without covenant with, with God. I've said this before in the book of Isaiah, the fact that we have breath in our lungs, the fact that our heart beats, there's a covenant between us and God. Everyone who breathes and whose blood is pumping in their veins, they have a covenant with God, whether they, they like it or not, that covenant is there. And when we disobey him and, and chart another path apart from him, we have sinned and fallen short of that glory of God, and we deserve punishment for that. And that's what we're talking about here. Verse 6. Therefore, a curse consumes the earth. Its people must bear their guilt. Therefore, the earth's inhabitants are burned up and very few are left. The new wine dries up and the vine withers. All the merrymakers groan. The joyful timbrels are still. The noise of the revelers has stopped. The joyful harp is silent. No longer do they drink wine with a song. The beer is bitter to its drinkers. The ruined city lies desolate. The entrance to every house is barred. In the streets they cry out for wine. All joy turns to gloom. All joyful sounds are banished from the earth. So again, this is earthwide. This is unprecedented in its scope, what Isaiah is talking about. There's been plenty of times where a nation... All joy turns to gloom. 
when they are defeated, when they're being invaded, that there's no joy. There's no joy in those moments. There's only gloom. But the Lord here is saying all joyful sounds are banished from the earth. All the people are going to be, they're going to be burned up and there's going to be very few of them left. This again is exactly what the book of Revelation talks about. Now, I want to be clear. Many people have a, a, a very fundamental misunderstanding of the book of Revelation. And, and they will say things like, well, you know, God hasn't appointed his people to wrath, which is very true. That is a, a very clear Bible verse. But the book of Revelation makes it very clear that when the, the Lord is pouring out his wrath on the earth, which he will in these end times, as Isaiah is talking about here, the Lord is going to pour out his wrath. He's not pouring out his wrath on God's people. He's actually pouring out his wrath on the people who have martyred and fought and warred against God's people as proxies for God himself. The reason that people would fight against and rage, as the book of Psalms says, Psalm 2, the reason the nations rage against Jews and Christians is because they know that they're considered God's people and they serve as a proxy for God himself here on this earth. And, and the, the surprise moment in the end times is going to be when they think that they can get at God by harming his people. And they're going to continue to do that and continue to do that. And the, the surprise is going to be when the Lord says, enough, and then he pours out his wrath on them. For ages and ages and ages, right, people have, have persecuted Christians and persecuted Jews thinking that they're, they're, they can win against God. And the sad thing is, is for most of human history, people get away with it. The Lord is patient with them, desiring that they would turn to repentance but there's coming a moment where the Lord's patience will run out entirely and eternally. And he will say enough. And he will pour out his wrath on those people who have used his people as proxies for him. That's what the end times is about. The wrath that God pours out, it's not aimed at his believers. It's not aimed at his people. It's aimed at those who make war against his people and against him. And that's what we see here. Verse 13, so it will be on the earth and among the nations as when an olive tree is beaten or as when gleanings are left after the grape harvest. We've already seen this in Isaiah where he's talking about, you know, you, you, you shake the tree and everything falls out and there's not much left. There's going to be very few people left after the Lord deals with them. And that's exactly what the book of Revelation reiterates. Verse 14. They raise their voices. They shout for joy. From the West, they acclaim the Lord's majesty. Therefore, the East give, therefore, in the East, give glory to the Lord. Exalt the name of the Lord, the God of Israel, in the islands of the sea. From the ends of the earth, we hear singing, glory to the righteous one. So the end result of this battle, if you will, where the Lord wages war against the people of the earth who have rebelled against him, the end result is that the few that are left all over the earth, they're going to be singing this glory to the righteous one. They are going to believe and put their faith in and their allegiance to Jesus. That's going to be the end result of this. Continuing on. But I said, I waste away. I waste away. Woe to me, the treacherous betray. With treachery, the treacherous betray. Verse 17. 
Terror and pit and snare await you, people of the earth. Whoever flees at the sound of terror will fall into a pit. Whoever climbs out of the pit will be caught by a snare. This is <laughs> this is pretty pitiful, right? The Lord is saying, listen, if you think that you can escape when you're running away from the terror, when you're running and you think you can escape, you're going to fall into a pit. Right there's a there's a snare waiting for you, and you know there's a there's a hole waiting for you. And when you climb out of the pit, thinking, "Well, I survived the pit, I can still get away," you're going to step in a snare. You know, think of a bear trap, that kind of thing. That's what we're um, what we're we're led to kind of conjure up in our mind. Is you're going to step into a trap. So there's there's no escaping this people of the earth. There's no getting away from it. There's we have a bias as humans thinking we can we can survive because if we're alive. We all have stories of things that we've survived that we probably shouldn't have. We've all got stories of, you know, when our lives were spared and we're around to tell the story. And there's the confirmation bias of those that are living that, hey, I am smart enough to figure a way out of this. Everybody kind of has that somewhere in the back of their mind. What the Lord is saying is there's no outsmarting this. There's no escaping it. This is coming for you. If you've made war against my people, if you've broken this everlasting covenant of giving God glory for what he deserves, for your very creation, for your very breath, there's coming a day where there is no escaping the wrath that's coming from you for God, from God. That day's not today, but there is that day coming. And that's what Isaiah is talking about. There is no escaping it. Continuing on. The floodgates of the heavens are opened. The foundations of the earth shake. The earth is broken up, verse 19. The earth is split asunder. The earth is violently shaken. The earth reels like a drunkard. It sways like a hut in the wind. So heavy upon it is the guilt of its rebellion that it falls never to rise again. Again, the earthquakes, all of these things, this is very end times book of Revelation stuff. I mean, it's we can read them one in the same. Verse 21. In that day, the Lord will punish the powers of the heavens above and the kings of the earth below. They will be herded together like prisoners bound in a dungeon. They'll be shut up in prison and be punished after many days. The moon will be dismayed, the sun ashamed, for the Lord Almighty will reign on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem before its elders with great glory. Again, Jesus said, you know, in those last days, the sun will stop getting its light. The stars will fall from the sky. The moon won't give its light. They'll they'll all disappear. And he says, don't be afraid when this happens. I'm telling you ahead of time, this is the plan to redeem the earth from the wicked of the earth. Isaiah finishes with all of this saying that in the end, after all of this is said and done, God himself will reign in Jerusalem. On Mount Zion, God himself will be on earth. And that's the story again of Revelation. That's the story of the end times. The Lord is coming to redeem the earth from the wicked, those who make war against his people and against God. The Lord is coming to redeem it from them. And most people have this mindset that we're going to die and go to heaven. That's not how this works. We die and for whatever period of time we spend time in heaven before the Lord. But the the plan is that we come to earth. Jesus comes to earth and he rules and reigns in Jerusalem for all eternity. And we live here with him. Eternity is not sitting on a cloud, strumming a harp and being bored for all eternity. 
It's engaged with life and work and being before the presence of the Lord in, in physical form here on the earth. This is what Isaiah is prophesying. This is what Revelation prophesies. This is what so many end times prophecies say. This is, is probably one of the greatest Old Testament end times prophecies there is. And it, it, it lines up perfectly with the way that the book of Revelation, as it's revealed to John the Apostle, it lines up perfectly with that. This is the same God, the same story, the same timeline, the same narrative. All of these things are the same. Isaiah and John are separated by, separated by uh, a thousand years or 800 years, 700 years, something like that. And the Lord is speaking the same thing to them. We're 2,000 years almost removed from John now, and the Lord is still speaking the same thing. These things are coming. Put your trust in the Lord. Obey this everlasting covenant that if you have breath and you have blood, give glory to the righteous one. That's what we're called to do. For the 10-week Bible study, I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and I can't wait to see you next time. Hey, thanks for watching the 10-week Bible study. If you've enjoyed this, would you consider doing that whole like and subscribe and bell thing you're always hearing people talk about? It really helps other people find out about the show, and my heart is for people to fall in love with God's Word. Thank you. Thank you.